Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, again, uh, this teaching, you'll notice your bulletin hasn't changed much because these are all parts of the whole, and... um, I have a tendency to teach this way anyway, so if you need to catch up, they are online on the website, and you can go to newdaykc.org, or I think you can even, are they still on iTunes? Yeah, you can go to iTunes and get them in a podcast or whatever, and catch up, and I hope you do that. I hope you, uh, um, at least you've come back enough that you've shown that you're not too tired of me yet. So... There's lots of good teachers out there today, isn't there? And I know it takes, uh, seems like it almost takes as much or greater effort to get to church today than it ever has. I don't know, it's just the busyness of our times or something, but I'm just grateful that you're here and grateful that uh, Jesus is our God and that he's leading us and guiding us and instruction and, uh, yeah. Just needed to say that. I'm in a little bit of weakness in this, this morning. I have a headache from, from allergies, so we're going to pray for me one more time. I have really bad allergies right now, and it's causing me to uh, have some forgetful moments and stuff, and I don't want to stutter through everything. So, Lord, I, I come to you, and uh, Lord, our flesh is weak, but you're strong, and I pray that you would guide the words of my mouth and the direction that you want me to go in. Holy Spirit, I just like your presence so much. You are just so enjoyable. Would you bless the team that led us in worship? And thank you that we are still in a place that we can lift our voice and proclaim and sing with freedom about who you are. So God, um, would you just let the the words of my mouth and uh, these meditations that you've been having me look at within the gospel, that it would come out in such a way that the revelation of the knowledge of your son would come to each who hears it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we looked at hope last week, and we're looking at ways of how do we respond today? with what the earth is going through, what America is going through, what the church is going through, what believers go through, and the navigation of life, and the difficulty of that. And uh, one thing I'm reminded of is, once again, how inundated we are with information. You know, it's just like uh, in... in 23 seconds after he does it, you can fi- find out that Putin burped. You know, it's, it's like, so? But that's somehow important information. Of course, I'm making that up and making it light. He really hasn't burped, or maybe he did. I don't know. And maybe it's newsworthy, or maybe it isn't, or maybe he slapped somebody, or maybe he didn't. I don't care. <laughs> but I care about my life in God. I care about my family and friends, and I want to be able to navigate this time that as I walk through this earth, and hopefully you, because I'm sharing it with you, as we walk through this earth, that we are indeed lights shining in a dark place. And you don't have to make stuff up. You're not, uh, 
You are not obligated to be evangelists. Do you know that? You're to live in the love of Jesus, and that is evangelism. Now, the words that you use, they come out in different ways. But don't put this demand on your heart that there has to be a strategic layout of plans and everything for you to do it so that you're in God's will. First of all, you are God's will. If Christ dwells in you, you are the will of God on the earth. That means every place you go, whether, whether you're stopping at QT for gas or going to Walmart or Target. Um, well, gas takes longer, so you're never going to get to Walmart or Target. So, and you won't have enough money left after you leave the gas station to buy anything at Walmart or Target. Besides that, you can still be nice to people, right? And let your light shine. Last week, we talked about hope in responding in difficult times and how hope is based in the gospel of Jesus and what it means but we have a tendency not to refresh ourselves over this when it's funny when difficult things are happening it's hard to see anything outside of the difficult things we, we tend to uh, things become a oak tree in the middle of our living room and you can't uh, you can't see around it and it's right there um, our human and flesh response is to find cause and effect. So if things aren't going well, we look for ways of which we contributed to that or that we could stop it or that we could engage in such a way. And actually, the one thing that will really help is looking at the better promises of the new covenant. The book of Hebrews lays out the new covenant in such a way, and here's the one theme over the book of Hebrews that you can put in your Bible, even though they don't do this. You can write it above it, above the title of it. Jesus is better, with an exclamation mark. Because Jesus is better than anything else that's happening on the earth, and Jesus dwells in you. And then there's another thing. And I encourage you to do this in this coming weeks, is you have to preach the gospel of grace, the gospel of the new covenant, to yourself. To yourself. You have to remind yourself. You have to do it to yourself. So we, we ended last week with this about God has forgiven all my sins. Why do you need to remind yourself of that? Because you still might sin. You, you still might stumble. And then when we stumble in a sin, that immediately gets us to go to cause and effect. I did this, now what's going to be the result? Oh, where am I at with the Lord? Now we think all of us good grace people who believe in the new covenant wouldn't do that, but we do that. When things aren't going right, we have a human nature tendency to go back into outside of the gospels and go back into the equation living mode that I must have done this and now and we wonder what's going to happen next and so we forget how incredible it is that God has forgiven all my sins this was the basis of the gospel that was preached in the book of Acts. So we're going to look at two scriptures and then we're going to look at what that means that you have forgiveness of sins. In Acts 13.38, the apostles are preaching. They say, Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this, that through this man is preached to you, 
the forgiveness of sins. Jesus didn't come just to make people's lives better. Jesus came so that they would have forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from some of the things they did. Oh, wait, it doesn't say that, does it? Justified from all things from which you could not be justified in the law of Moses. Well, I wasn't living by the law of Moses. Yes, you were. Yes, you do. The minute you go to cause and effect, you start becoming legalistic in your heart and you're living by a law. Was it the law of Moses? Probably. From what I've seen, Moses pretty much got it all. Um, I mean, everything from diet to what you can and can't do. So it's all, it's all there. So if we don't believe that we've been justified, we'll find ways to think that we, we move into a sense of insecurity in our hearts. And the one thing that gospel needs to do in your life, especially in these times, is produce security. There is nothing better on earth than to know that you're at peace with God. I don't know of any better feeling on the earth. And so I preached to myself throughout the week, you know, it's um, that blessing song. I asked the team to do it this week because I just kept, I, I do this daily walking routine and that song just kept that one and another one, another old one, uh, I stand in awe. And those two songs were just like, ah, oh, you know, and, and then remembering what the blessing song is really about and how it was uh, given to Aaron outside of Moses. This is really strange. I'm not saying it's opposed to the law, but Moses was the lawgiver. And then God goes to Aaron, who is the high priest, and says, buddy, I've got something that you need to do. Can you imagine the revelation of that coming to his heart? Outside of... He, he hadn't gone up on the mountain with Moses. This is God just speaking to Aaron's heart. And he says, I want you to do something. He said, I want you to pray a blessing on the children of Israel. And when you do, you're putting my name upon them. Stunning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. That's why we sing, it goes on to all the generations. It was an identification that they knew who they were in God. When we preach the gospel and the forgiveness of sins to ourselves, guess what you're doing? Lord, bless me and keep me. Lord, make his face to shine upon me. In, a, in my belief that my sins are forgiven, why is this such a struggle? I, it's the nature of sin and what it did. I, you know, there's a whole doctrine about that. I'm not going to go out into that today. But sin breaks the human heart. Forgiveness restores the human heart. That's why we long when, when there's something between us and somebody else, we want forgiveness. Though in our humanness, we want it a little bit differently than how God does it. God does it through agape love, unconditional love. And I do it through, okay, I forgive you, but I'm going to remember this. And I'm not sure I'm ever going to trust you again. 
And we put, how do you know you do that? Well, we've put qualifiers on it. It really doesn't have the gospel of forgiveness. And so then we become legalistic. And while I better forgive 70 times 7, but I'm not going to let them get me again. Why do we do that? I, I don't know. And really, the one admonition about forgiveness that Paul gave was that you would forgive one another as Christ forgave you. Let's look at how, how Christ forgives. God holds nothing against you. You have to preach this to yourself. This is, again, I know I use the word, but it's the one word that, uh, maybe it's because I grew up in the 1950s science fiction thing. This is a stun gun. This is stunning that this is how God would choose to do this. That it's not just forgiving you, but it's forgiving you with not ever holding it against you. We don't do that in human nature, do we? Matter of fact, we remain self-protective. But look at Psalm. Just think of the things that were between you and God that he has removed. And now listen to this psalm. This is, this is David literally prophesying and seeing himself into the time of Christ. Uh, that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. They're gone. They're removed. They don't come up again. When God forgives you, it's gone. It's removed. Uh, literally, the, the thing that was between you and him, he's dealt with it. He's already forgiven you. And to forgive, uh, in the way Paul described it, is to send it away. That's why David in this psalm says, as far as the east is from the west. It's different than the north and the south, the poles. If you're going east, when are you going west? But if you're going north and you reach a certain point, pretty soon you're heading south. There's such a, there's such a dramatic thing there that God's removed it completely out of our way. I can keep walking east and never run into my sins again. How does he do that? Well, it's found in Colossians 2 in this next verse. And it's it's amazing. He says, And you being dead in your trespass and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespass. This is amazing. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, it's gone. Which was contrary to us. And he is taking it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So did your stuff never happen? No, it happened. But I don't have to pay a price for it. Well, you don't, but he did. It didn't magically go away. Jesus actually not only took the sin, but he became the sin and died as you. 
he took it into himself. It's not God, you know, wink, wink. That's, that's not such a bad one. But you really need to stop cheating on your taxes. It's, that's not who God is. But we live in a fear that if the tension of me having done something wrong, we, we live in this kind of fear. If that's not taken care of, or if I don't get this out of the way correctly, then there's going to be something between me and God. But actually, it's been removed. There's no, your sin is not between you and God. Your sin is between you and you. What do you mean? It's your conscience. You did something wrong, and you did it wrong. You're guilty. But in Christ, because it's been removed, your conscience, it says in Hebrews, can be sprinkled with blood. It can, that part of it can even be removed. The, the sense of I'm far away now and I did that stupid thing again. And then you move into self-hatred and self-loathing. When God wanted to call you right back into the forgiveness place, the way on through life was the way we got into life in Christ. The way it was removed is the way it stays removed, always, over and over and over again. And he does this clearly. I heard several stories this week. Maybe this one will, will help you find this and, and what we do with this type of hu human nature. I knew a little boy who's going to a Christian school. I know the family. And at school, he said something bad. And he said a bad word. Now, it wasn't a horrible word. I won't utter it this morning. But it, to him, it was a really bad word. And he was scared to death that somebody was going to hear him. And once they heard him, that he would get told on. When he got told on, he would get kicked out of the school. Now, in one way, you, commend, you can commend a little boy like that. Because you go, oh, he's really sensitive. Good for him. God's, God's convicting him and leading him. But in the other sense, you go, oh, there's that dastardly thing that sin does to us. That it not only did I do something, but now it's going to penalize me for it. Jesus took that penalty. It's been removed. Does it matter if the little boy says something wrong? Yes, to the little boy, but God will never hear it. God won't bring it up to him. He's in Christ. He doesn't bring up the past. How do you know that? Because that's what the gospel and the scriptures tell us. Listen to, to uh, Hebrews. It, this is, if you can receive this, I'm telling you, it, it relieves the pressure of life today. Hebrews 10, verse 10. Uh, by that will, speaking of the will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. 
you understand he's talking about you? Do you want me to read it again? For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. There's no eternal weight against you anymore. What does that mean for today? You can live securely today and joyfully. But what about when I do fail? You can run to him quickly. You're already forgiven. You don't go to God to get it, convince him to forgive you. It's been done. It's been done. And he sees you. This is what's so hard for us because we know experientially in this life we're not. We make mistakes. But I'm perfect. Just perfect. Perfectly loved. Perfectly forgiven. Perfect enjoyment with God. There's not something I have to do to get him to like me better. Pay attention to me. Notice me. Think about me. But most of the time if I'm doing the wrong things I don't want him to think about me. But that's when you actually need to preach the gospel to you when you want to think most about him. And remind yourself of these things. This is the gospel that we preached ourselves. Let's keep reading. For he is perfected forever, those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins... And their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there's no longer an offering of sin. He doesn't remember them because he chooses not to remember them. Not because he's forgetful. Oh yeah, Brenda, I saw her last week. <laughs> Come here, girl, let's do some God time. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't see you that way. When you come to him, you can present yourself to him just as you are. It was Brennan Manning that wrote, wrote this, and I don't know if I agreed with Brennan on everything, but I did most of it. And it says, he says, no one is as they should be. No one is. God loves you and accepts you as you are because he did the sacrifice. You can't ever should yourself right enough. Should you? You have to preach and live in this gospel and in the forgiveness. Isn't it a strange thing that he would say, I won't remember them anymore. I will remember no more. I dwelled on it all week. I've been reading this book. By the way, it's a wonderful book. If you want to see what the cover looks like, you can order it online. And this is me not hawking for my friend Sam Storms. But this is called A Dozen Things God Did With Your Sin. And I've just been going through it. It's like preaching the gospel to myself over and over and over again. And I tell you what, even though I'm preaching to the choir, 
man, am I singing back in the love of God. I want to read you a section about what Sam wrote about this. Because it's really amazing. God alone, by virtue of being God, knows everything. Would you agree? Past, present, and yes, even the future. He knows it perfectly. He does not have partial knowledge that someone else can fill in on his behalf. I'm going to do another aside here. Though we tell him in prayer, make sure that he knows. What he knows, and he knows everything, he knows exhaustively. There's nothing hidden from him. Not one thing. He knows why it happened, what it is, where and when it occurred, and everything that has resulted from it including all the injustices on the earth. He doesn't need anyone to inform him or bring him up to speed on events that we think he was too busy to notice. As David said in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Would you agree that he knows everything? That being said, what possible sense could it make to say that God has forgotten our sins? How can the Bible author quote God as saying, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own name's sake, and I will not remember your sins? That's in Isaiah 43. Can God truly forget something? Is it possible in the most literal sense of the term for God not to remember what I've done? Well, no. How utterly different, though, God is from us. When people violate our rights or transgress us or defraud us or lie to us or break a promise, we make it clear to them, I'll never forget this. I'll never let you forget this. I'll remember this to my dying day. I'll make sure I keep this in the forefront of my mind forever, and I'll throw it in your face every chance I get. Did you ever get, well, some of you haven't experienced that. And uh, Brenda, bear with me on this. But have you ever like thrown up to your spouse the stuff that they did to you three weeks ago? Well, I wouldn't do that. Hmm. You you have to learn not to do that. God, on the other hand, promises never to remember. When God says he will remember not your sin, it's because he's chosen not to remember your sin. Not because he's winking at it or that it doesn't count or it doesn't matter. He already paid the penalty for it. It's already wrapped up in him and through him. And we sang the songs. He's already conquered the grave and death on our part. We're getting to ready to celebrate it in a couple of weeks. 
He promises never to remember. He will not brood over our sin. He will not reflect upon it, think about it, contemplate it, analyze it, or ever again bring it up to himself, to you, or to others. That poor little boy going to school with an anxious heart is no different than us. Eight years old, I wonder who will find out what I did. It's so not the gospel, isn't it? Did you ever do anything when you were eight that you wish nobody would find out? I did. And then I got found out. My brother caught me and he told on me. My buddy and I got out of our rakes and we raked a whole bunch of leaves up in the fall and then we jumped into it like kids are supposed to do, but then we found a book of matches. And we decided that we would burn them. And so we went and got a box and put a whole bunch of leaves in the box and then put a whole bunch of leaves over the box. And before you know it, we had a fire that was out of hand. And my oldest brother, who was 11 years older than me, came up uh, very swiftly and gave me a kick in the uh, hinder parts. And... Uh, and tried stomping the fire out before it burned up the whole lawn and everything. And I was terrified because, one, he was yelling at me, and two, he kicked me. And then he said the awful worst thing he could have ever said. I'm going to tell the old man about this. You're in trouble now, Lloyd. Oh, God, oh, God. You know, and he did. I got in trouble for it, you know. And I've thought so many times in the past, the terror you can feel with knowing you had done something wrong and who's going to find out and tell on you. And God knows all things about you and he never tells on you. Not in the way we do from the sin vantage point. God tells on you from the love vantage points. He'll say to you, that wasn't right. So you, can't, you can't say it wasn't wrong. It wasn't right, but I won't hold this against you. Come here, let's work through this. Let's walk it out together. He won't bring it up to himself, to you, or to others. In other words, our fundamental problem is that we either haven't heard, don't recall, or simply refuse to believe what God said in Jeremiah 31, 34. Words that are quoted here in Hebrews. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. No more. It means forever I won't remember them what haunts us and brings torment and unrest to our hearts is that we live as if those final two words weren't in the text so we live insecurely and so we go to God and beg his forgiveness again God if you just, Lord I know this over and over and over again but would you just forgive me but what God is saying, Sam writes, I will never again, by no means ever, remember your sin and lawless deeds. Well, how does God deal with you then, as a son or daughter, that he's completely for, and that he'll never be against? And on your worst day, you can go to him. On the day that you did the one thing that you thought, I will never do that. 
I will never say that cuss word and the other kids won't hear it. But you did and you can run boldly. This is what Hebrews earlier writes and why it's so important that we harness. I can run boldly to a throne of grace in time of need to receive mercy, to be infused, one translation says, with grace. That God's for me. He is for you. We sang it in that song, in that blessing song. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. And the scripture that it's, <laughs> that it's from in Romans says, if God is for me, who can be against me? Who's against you? I, I can make a guess. You. <laughs> You're against you. This is why you have to preach the gospel. Today, instead of trying to figure out what your part is, preach the gospel to yourself. I can live in this. I can exercise my faith in this. I think God's not hearing my prayers. Really? We say the strangest things, don't we? I think, uh, I'm just in a dry season. Really? I loved it when we sang Let It Rain. (sighs) You know, and it's symbolic, but to live in the reign of God is to live in the reign of God. Both R-A-I-N and R-E-I-G-N. To live in the reign of God. That's where we were designed to live. Will it change the circumstances we're under? No, it will take you out from under them. won't change the circumstances. You just don't have to live under them. That's that calling into our lives. Are you perfect? Are you perfect? You perfect? No? In Christ you are. It doesn't mean experientially we do everything perfectly. And so we feel that, don't we? I can make a mistake this afternoon. I probably even did some this morning. But the internal pressure to think that somehow God will be against me because I didn't do everything perfectly can upland my life in such a way that I look at everything that's going on around me. And like that little boy, I want to cuss. But in God... And I begin to pray over myself and preach the gospel, the forgiveness of sins to myself. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he sees me as perfect. I don't see me as perfect. I see the mistakes. He sees me as perfect. It's such a freedom. It's such a freedom to begin to believe that and to engage on it. And that I believe, because I went... Uh, what about besetting sins? And I'll close with this, because we all kind of have those little, we think, I keep doing this and I hate it. I hate this about myself. Whatever that is. I don't know what yours is. I don't know. I don't even know how many is's there are. The less I looked at my sin and trying to deal with my sin, and the more I looked at the gospel and the forgiveness of my sins in Christ, the less I did the sins. 
The more I looked at the sins, the more I did the sins. The more I tried to overcome the sin, the more I was tempted to do it. When I ran to Christ and going, I'm free of sin, guess what started working in my thoughts and my mind? I'm, I'm free of sin. I'm perfect. Just perfect. I tell it to Brenda all the time. I'm perfect, honey. <laughs> you don't sound so perfect. I'm perfect. Go read Hebrews. Just perfect. Actually, it's Brenda that's just perfect. So I'm getting a lunch here. So. Uh, no, I'm not. He's perfected you for all time. And he's forgiven you of all things. Forever. And he will not bring them up. Psalm 103 says, he won't deal with you according to your sin. According to your trespasses. He deals with you. How does that work? He deals with you. This is the great mystery according to Christ. Where is Christ? Well, he's seated in heavenly places. That's one part of it. Where else is he? He's in me. And he's for me. Not against me. He is for me. Not against me. And I believe that. And it changes the way I live here. And it's not that close with this. It's not like going back to that little schoolboy image. It's not that I'm just going to say whatever I want. That's not true. Matter of fact, I'm more careful about what I say today than I ever have been. Unless I can get you going with it and then start a conversation. and We can get, that's just my human nature. Don't want to live in fear. And I don't want to live in insecurity. God is for me. God is for you. I want, to, I want you to minister to you right now. I want you to put your hand on your heart. I want you to say this so that you're hearing it out loud over yourself. And repeat it after me. God is for me. He's not against me. My God loves me. He won't hang sins over me. There's nothing wrong with my heart. My heart loves God. God loves my heart. God loves my strengths. He loves my weaknesses. He won't let go. Not ever. And He will remember my sins no more forever I'm his child thank you Jesus amen
their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you, he is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going. Rejoicing, he is for you, 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 he is for you. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children. And their children, and their children, may his presence go before you, and behind you, and beside you, all around you, and within you. He is with you, he is with you, in the morning, and the evening, in your coming, and your going, in your weeping, and rejoicing. that he's for you that he's with you that he's in you and he will see you through this and you can sing in the darkness and your light will shine
Now may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in you all and with you all throughout this entire coming week. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you love on each other?